Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast. It's time for the big one. Via Denmark, Belgium and Switzerland, over cobbles and the high mountains, the Tour de France is back and we're ready for the racing. Now here to discuss who's been snubbed and who's gunning for yellow is my co-host Tom. Tom, how are you? Yeah, hi everyone, I'm back. Uh, I had a great time while I was in Italy uh, listening to the episode without me. Uh, this is a point of contention between us because I don't listen to back to our episode, so it's the first one I've listened to myself for a while. Uh, but yeah, good to be back. How did you enjoy the episode, Tom? It was really good. Uh, really nice to get someone else's perspective and really nice to not have to hear my own voice whenever I do go back <laughs> on these things. So, Because um, even how long have we been doing this now? A year and a half? I still, you, everyone hates the sound of their own voice when they hear it back, don't they? It's tough. And I've got to edit these things as well. So yeah. I spend hours <laughs> listening to my own voice, but um, I get through it. Now, Tom, how did you feel yesterday when Quickstep Alpha Vinyl announced their team for the Tour de France? Um, you know, we all knew it was coming, didn't we? Is anyone was anyone really that surprised? So I look, this is the thing, and I think we all knew it was coming ever since we're talking about Mark Cavendish, by the way. Um, ever since Mark Cavendish was on the start list of the Giro d'Italia and then proceeded to finish that grand tour, it was like, well, there's no chance. He's not got he's barely got one grand tour in him, he's not got two grand tours in him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even that Giro, he did tail off a bit. I'm, oh, well, we know what the Giro route's like. We've done that when the Giro was happening. But um, yeah, one one a sprint at the Giro and then barely saw him the rest of the race. I'm like, that. No, he's done for the year. Well, yeah. that, that's not strictly true because he won the national championships of the weekend. But um, yeah, well, I think we all knew he wasn't coming to the tour. Yeah, and we, we were allowed to dream. And we, we got to dream a little bit more yesterday when Tim de Klerk pulled out with COVID and we were thinking, you know, it's a natural replacement, isn't it? We, if you want somebody to do 200 kilometers on the front of a peloton for a whole stage, <laughs> it's got to be Mark Cavendish. Not really. I, was, I think I said it to you today as well. The um, the only way, uh, obviously, Cav's been put in as one of the reserves, but that if anyone other than Jakobsen were to, um, you know, lose their place through COVID injury, whatever, uh, which is what's happened to the clerk, then yeah, Cav's only there to replace Jakobsen. Whereas Seneschal, who is the guy who's come in, is there to replace anyone else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, the sponsors, I imagine, hit the roof a bit when they saw the team yesterday. Um, no Alaphilippe, no Remco Evenepoel, no Mark Cavendish, no Seneschal in the French. So, so there was a point where we didn't have the Rainbow Bands or the French National Bands at the Tour de France this year. And I imagine Prudhomme, for one, I imagine would be straight on the phone to Lefebvre. Until this morning, of course, when Seneschal got the late call-up. Um, I've seen a lot of talk, Tom, about narratives. And the narrative of, you know, Mark Cavendish, if he were to go to the Tour de France and win a stage, and Jakobsen's narrative. Do you think that should play at all into kind of team selection? No, not at all. It's a, it's a cutthroat business. You're there to win races. And if Jakobsen's the guy for it, which he probably is. I don't, I don't know. Cav's not been on terrible form, but, you know, um, it's got to be head over heart. I, there's also part of me that thinks if we do account for narratives and the team wants the narrative, Jakobs, na, Jakobsen's, yeah, Jakobsen's narrative, yeah, it's, it's perhaps, <laughs> you know, more impressive, almost died in a medically induced coma less than two, this was less than two years ago. This was August 2020. And to yeah. come back and win a Tour de France stage, which let's be honest, he definitely will, is an incredible achievement that, you know, transcends cycling rather than Eddie Merckx's record, which is known by just cycling fans really yeah no absolutely i mean you know he's jacobson's 
had his face rebuilt in the last two years, hadn't he? And he's back on the bike. So, um, look, I'd love to see Cav beat Merckx's record, but I don't care about Merckx's record much anyway for reasons we've discussed before as well. So, um, and he did half of it in time trials and Cav's all open on the road. So, in my book, Cav's already ahead. So, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's another question for you, Tom. This, this is, I think, is a, quite an interesting question that I thought for you. It's a two-part question. Question one is, do you think Mark Cavendish will ever beat that record? And question two, the follow-up question, is, do you think he will do that in a quick-step alpha vinyl kit? Um, you know, again, time is running out, isn't it? That, that that's the thing. Um, and the competition gets stronger all the time. So, I'd love to say yes, but. After this year, it really isn't looking likely on either front, is it? Okay, well, the second question is then redundant. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> for his replacement, well, I say replacement, I mean the person that's pipped him to that spot, Fabio Jakobsen, there's quite a big first week for him. Tom, should we look through the route? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, and it's a sprinter's dream, isn't it? It the is a bit. Denmark, really flat. Uh, that's, uh, to put it in, uh, you know, sort of layman's terms, They've they've got some really sketchy category four climbs in in a couple of these early stages just to give uh, the points competition some meaning not the points competition the uh, the polka dot jersey some meaning in the first well it's they've got the three days in denmark and then a rest day as well haven't they yeah i mean so, yeah. so they can it's like a transfer day and actually yeah. i've i've got some insider knowledge tom about that you know the categorization of those climbs we've got six mm-hmm. category four climbs across stages two and three yeah and I spoke with Thierry Gouvenou, who is, you know, the mastermind who comes up with the route for the Tour de France um, for a piece that I recently wrote. And he told me that basically what they've done is they've classified these climbs just to get the polka dot jersey competition going. He was like, they barely meet the threshold for a fourth category climb. And when we're talking fourth category climb, we're talking about 800 meters at about 4%. Yeah, look, I know when the tour came through my town in 2007, um, there are hills there that... Uh, that you know were categorized that i can get up quite comfortably and uh so you're just going like you know how is this worth one point in the uh the king of the mountains competition or whatever um in in kent which is not famous for its you know being particularly hilly either on the where they went from london to canterbury i think no it's, it's an odd one an odd one for sure but i understand why they do it um are, are you excited for an opening daytime trial tom the first one we've had for five years yeah it's nice and it's um it's a proper time trial, isn't it? It's not just a prologue. Well, it's, it's a, thir- a sh- thirteen point two kilometers. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a four kilometer, five kilometer thing, but it's kind of yeah. a bridge between the two. But I was like, you know, it's stage one rather than a prologue. Yeah, um, that's true. So, because the, 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 I don't know, I've never really, I sort of get the prologue just to get everything going, but um, I like it when it's just straight in. Call it stage one, make it longer than five minutes, and uh, yeah, um, that is good to see. Yeah, the prologues knock all the stages out of kilter. I can't be doing with it. I struggle to keep up anyway. But this one, we've got quite a, it's quite a sharp course, a bit of a sightseeing course around Copenhagen. Um, I mean, I would naturally say Ghana will win this, but it's, it's very technical. It's not just one for just, you know, a steam train to come through and beat. No, but the technical rides, you, do you really think that Dave Brailsford and Ineos have not done their homework and won't be right on top of the technical side of it as well. Well, when you've got Dan Bigham on the team as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations to Filippo Ganna on his <laughs> yellow jersey on his first ever Tour de France stage. So that'll be, I guess, really nice for him. Yeah. Um, a couple of dull days in Ben in a couple of dull days in Denmark. That's a tough one to say. Um dull days, Denmark. Yep. 
stage five is where we start hotting up a bit. Oh, you've forgotten about the dull stage from Dunkirk to Calais before that then as well. I've deliberately forgotten about that one. <laughs> stage five is where we start hotting up a bit. Um, 11 cobbled sectors, totaling 19 kilometres en route to Arenberg. Now, Tom, that's a place I'm sure many of our listeners will be aware of. Yeah, you know, I only clocked recently that it actually finishes in Arenberg as well. I didn't realise they were doing it like that. That is absolutely brutal. Yeah, I mean, it could have finished on the uh, the old True Aid Arenberg, the Arenberg Trench. Mm. But um, they've, bo- that they've bottled been, that idea. Would be carnage. <laughs> Imagine if a bunch came in like that. If there was, it's all right if the break gets there. But could you? Yeah, <laughs> it's about two meters wide, on cobbles about two meters high. Jakobsen comes back from death <laughs> to sprint on the Troy Darenberg. I'm, I'm sure he would be like, right, you know what, Cavendish, have it if you like it. I don't um, think it's one for the sprinters that stage. To be fair, it's not. It's one for a sort of classicy specialist. Um, I'm tipping Fred Wright for that one. Okay, well, uh, I'll be boring. Guess who I'm tipping? Um, I don't know. Who are you tipping? Matthew van der Poel. Okay, right, yeah, of course. (laughs) I keep forgetting that he's on the start list, you know? It's kind of been like, it's not that impressive anymore. I know everyone talked about him last year because it was ready-made for him. And all right, he was a day late getting into yellow because Philippe, who we haven't actually talked about yet either, pipped him to it last year. Uh, But yeah, he's got to wait until until they get on the cobbles to probably show himself this year. But, um, you know, I almost said Wout Van Aert. I thought you might as well. Yeah, I actually do think Wout Van Aert will probably win that one. Um, and I think he... <laughs> well, even Ganner as well, man. I'd, Ganner could be in yellow for the first week. Mm. Um, same with Wout Van Aert. I mean, if Wout Van Aert beats him in that time trial or then gets some seconds on the Arenberg stage, he could be in yellow as well, which I don't think he's ever worn at the Tour de France. Uh... Somebody can fact check that. I'm going to now. Okay. I'm sure I remember seeing him in yellow, but it's it's hard to tell because of that jumbo kit that is yellow. Uh, no, I don't think he has worn yellow. Okay, carry on. Okay, great. Um, should we touch on Alaphilippe for a second then? Yeah. Um, same as Cavendish. I think we all sort of knew it was coming. Um, he's, yeah, obviously- I mean, he's another one who just he crashed horribly into a ditch about three weeks ago. <laughs> And everyone was like, yeah, he'll be fine to race through the Alps and the Pyrenees. Why not? Yeah, he's like had a broken spine or something, hasn't he? It's been awful. He's only just got back on the bike. Yeah. Um, he, was at, he was at the French Champs at the weekend, wasn't he? I don't know what he did. He didn't win. So, um, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think he was just using it to test the legs, to be honest. Yeah. And evidently, the legs weren't there yet. And it's a shame because I think there's a few stages in the kind of second week here that we're about to come on to. Maybe not the Super Planche de Belfi. God, it feels cringy saying super at the start of that, doesn't it? Well, just because um, they put a little, gra- a little gravel trap at the top. Yeah, and call it super. <laughs> um, stage six to Longwy and then stage eight in Lausanne were ones that I thought very punchy finishes. Longwy, by the way, I can't see that and not picture a village in Wales somewhere. I don't know how that's in Belgium. It doesn't sound right. Is it in Belgium? Is that where it is? Uh, or uh, right on the border, sorry. I think the stage starts in Belgium and comes into Northern France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it starts in uh, Binch. Binch? Yeah. Banche. Banche, I don't know. Uh, we should know. Both French speakers. I would say Banche. I would say Banche, but that does not sound right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a cuss word. That sounds like yeah. a slur. <laughs> um, okay, the, I mean, these ones are quite interesting stages. I think the Super Planche de Belfi will be interesting. 24% gradient. We have a, you know, one point going up there. Yeah, it is interesting. But the thing for me is with that being the first mountain stage or the, you know, the first real mountain stage and a summit finish, 
it's not I think one of the GC guys takes the line there I don't think it goes to a breakaway rider someone like Alaphilippe riding out front yeah I think we yeah maybe somebody taking some early seconds or somebody like Roman Bardet <laughs> genuinely genuinely no I think that right now I think that stage is going to Roglic or Pogaccia okay well I would welcome that <laughs> um stage 11 Tom I think is my favorite stage from Albertville to the Col du Cranon. Now, now I've said it's going to be my favourite stage. It's going to be one that they're just, the riders are going to neutralise now, isn't it? Sierra Chevalier we... is where I went skiing on a school trip once, actually. Yeah, anything uh, notable there? Uh, no. Okay. Um... <laughs> um, well, nothing notable that isn't in the rest of the Alps. It was very nice, but it's just an alpine uh, ski resort. Wonderful. Well, if you don't mind, we'll move on to the the other climbs that are in there. <laughs> um, we start the little amuse bouche is the Lasse de Montvernier, the shoelaces of Montvernier. Oh, which is, is that the one they can't take the team cars up? Yeah. Now I don't know if if, if now any listeners say if you if you haven't seen this climb, Google it now. But don't Google it now. Google it after the episode. Um, <laughs> the Lasse de Montvernier. It is the most beautiful. It's like a kind of mini Alp d'Huez, but just like. It's only like a third cat or something or a second cat. So it's quite simple. It's about four kilometers long. And it is just like cutback after cutback after cutback, a full-on zigzag. But it's so narrow as well. That's the thing. It's so compact as a climb. It is, um, this is what I was saying about the team cars. I think the road is so thin that, um, you know, for safety reasons, they can't take them up there. Um, and um, the cutbacks come so quickly because it is just, it's more or less like a, a cliff face, isn't it? That the road goes up. Yeah, and, essentially. Uh, just, yeah. Um, I think that'd be beautiful. I mean, it, it comes very early in the stage, so I would be surprised if they race up it. It will be more a slither up it, but which will be, you know, if I'm, you know, GCN Eurosport, I'm looking to get some really beautiful shots of that. Then we move on, middle of the stage, we've got the Galibier. After the Telegraph as well. After the Telegraph as well. I mean, that is, you know, the highest point of this year's Tour de France. So that's like 2,100 odd meters altitude. Um, and then we descend into the valley and we finish up the Col du Granon, which is a bit of a beast. 11.3 kilometers at an average gradient, Tom, of 9.2%. Yeah, I, I'm quite, I quite like they've really gone for it in the Alps this year. Um, I don't know. Um, obviously, it's the, the day after the um, Alp Duez finish. And that is, is that's always, uh, Alp Duez is Alp Duez. Um, but there's, yeah, a couple of stages here. I don't know why. For some reason, I think I found the last couple of years, the Alps to be a bit underwhelming, maybe. It's because I think in the last couple of years, the Alps have come before the Pyrenees. Um, and it's the same this year. Yeah. And it basically means that, you know, some of the GC candidates are keeping their cards a bit close to their chest. Yeah. But um, the Galibio being like 2,600 meters or whatever, you can't do it there. Um, that'll be all out. Outdoers is all out just by the nature of what it is. I always find that strange because it's um, it's not particularly high and it's not massively steep, is it, compared to some of the other things they can throw in there? But it just gets everyone going. And is it yeah. not on Bastille Day as well? So we'll come on to that, Tom. Yep. Um, <laughs> stage 12, we send the riders back up the Galibier. They start with an ascent of the Galibier, the other way up, the easier way up. I was going to say, I know, is this the... I can't remember which way round it is. So it's the second day is the second day is the easier way up. The um, it's not long. It's shallower, longer. Not shallower. What am I trying to say? Gentler. The opposite of steep. Yeah. What's the opposite of steep? Uh, let's go with shallow. 
Yeah. It's uh it's longer and shallower. Yeah. Um, and then we have the Quite Affair, and then we finish on Alp Duez. Now, after the day before that and the day that that will be, there's gonna be some tired legs on this final climb. And Tom, if you want, I will tell you who will win that stage. On Alp Duez. On Alp Duez. Um wait, let me interrupt you. I I'm gonna tell you who wins it and I will introduce that person. Mm-hmm. in song form and this is not a song that i have written <laughs> uh here is a very special song by french duo jean mayo there you have it tom alp duez on bastille day it's ready, ap- ready made, isn't it? It is a trademark Thibaut Pinot day, let's be honest. He'll keep everything in reserve for that. He's been practicing all year. People, we, we haven't noticed he's been practicing all year. He's won a stage at the Tour of the Alps. He won a stage at the Tour de Suisse. He's, he's limbering up the legs. And it he's waiting for that. The, and it's um, going to be hugely emotional as well. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. I know, this is what I was going to say. It would complete his Palmares as well. He's already won on the most prestigious climb in the Tour and now on the second most prestigious climb. Um, he's actually he's actually won on Outdoors before. In the Tour? Uh, I think so. When did that happen? Because all I can think of in picture in my head is Pierre Rolland. No, he has. Because I remember seeing, at some point, FTJ gave him a bike that had like all the climbs that he'd won on written across the top tube. And it was like Col du Tourmalet, Outdoors. He's won on quite a lot, actually. Oh, he has 2015. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't believe the, the seven-year anniversary. I just wanted to make a my usual point about the Tourmalet and the Pyrenees being better than the Alps. Well, we don't have it this year. Um, no, we have a few. Well, after our we've got a few transitional stages. So stages 13 to 16, the transitional stages finishes in Saint Etienne, Mont Carcassonne, and Foix. Any of those interest you, Tom? Because they don't particularly interest me. Uh, I've been to Carcassonne, I've been to Foix, lovely places. Um, but no, not oh, well, yeah. If you if you want the Carcassonne tourist board to um listen to us, then you can tell them what a lovely walled city it is. Beautiful fortified Looks city. Straight out of sort of Game of Thrones or something. Yeah, that's very true. Um there you go. Let's hope they put on a good race. But the yeah. uh, the stage isn't really looking like one for the ages. No. And then some we have the Pyrenees, which I know are very close to your heart. They are, except we're not going to Poe this year. For the first time in about a decade, they've not used Poe as a uh, start or a finish, which is... Um, which yeah, you've I taken mean, as a personal grievance. Well, it's almost unheard of these days, isn't it? Poe is just where you go in the Pyrenees. Yeah, that's true. Um, we've got some tough mountains in the Pyrenees this year, actually. Stage 17 finishes on Peragude. Now, Tom, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Who won on Peragude the last time? I think I'm pronouncing that right, by the way. Uh, the last time it featured in the Tour de France. Oh. Again, it's one of those that you just sort of assume is in there most eight, eight, years. Eight kilometres at 7.8%. Do you want to give me the year? Uh, I think it was 2017. Oh, it's a while ago. Uh, Chris Froome. Uh, no, it was Roman Bardet. Okay, I oh, should have known, should have known. Should have known. Um <laughs> That one I don't think is going to be particularly decisive. And I think, again, we won't get too many big attacks on that one because stage 18 is where the race could be won. Yeah, absolutely. I'll look at it now. Um, 
again from the tourist board i can talk about lourdes at the start for ages if you want been there lovely if you're a do your pilgrimage if you're a catholic but uh, otherwise it's just a nice uh, departure point for um for some cycling very close to poe so maybe they'll all stay in poe that night except as i told you yesterday lourdes has the second highest hotel capacity in all of france so good place to start a stage there you go you know what i actually watched a um documentary a few years ago it was a documentary series that was done by zach efron uh off high school musical fame and he did a kind of like foodie travel doc th- series for netflix mm-hmm. and it was genuinely very very interesting and i really enjoyed it um and I don't, I don't want you to think any less of me for that tom um and i'm the last person to think less of you for watching zach efron don't worry yeah he went to lord and <laughs> yeah. did a really interesting episode but the whole the place just blew his mind completely every time he turned a corner it was just like beautiful statues beautiful kind of like tapestry things beautiful candles and he was like man this is amazing it is uh it is a bit of a crazy place i'll be honest um it might come at the perfect time for someone like Thibaut Pino who can use the healing waters to fix whatever's going to be wrong with him by that point. So, uh, you know, maybe that's why they've thrown it in there. That's very funny, Tom. That's very good. <laughs> um, well, he might need them, Tom, because he's got essentially three HC climbs that day. We start on the Col d'Obisque, then we have Spondel. Now, Spondel is a new climb this year that is ranked category one, but actually, technically, if you run the sums, meets the threshold for an HC climb. You've got your formula there. I've got the formula and it exceeds the threshold for an HC climb. And I've been told uh, by my insider that the reason it hasn't been given that this year is because it doesn't have any history because it's kind of like it's brand new this year. They don't think it's as tough as the formula makes it and there's no history. So we'll see. And then we have the Otakam, which is a tough climb to finish. Yeah, that's quite a famous one, isn't it? That <clears throat> appears regularly. I can remember seeing a very, very famous win for uh, for he who must not be named um, and one of his seven uh, victories that were written off. I think he uh, flew away from everyone up uh, Otakam, which is uh, probably when it first came to my attention. Okay, well, we'll move on from that. Cut um, that out if you need to, yep. That's fine, we'll leave him <laughs> in. Um, stage 19, flat into Kaor. Stage 20, a 40.7 kilometer time trial into the beautiful cliffside village of Rocamador. Yeah, somewhere I've never heard of, but uh, when I was giving you all of my Lourdes facts yesterday, you had uh, quite a few about uh, Rocamador instead. I've been, to, I've been to Rocamador, Tom. Oh, um, there's a cheese from there. That's the, that's the one thing I learned yesterday when I Googled it. There is indeed. Um, Rocamador, according to the Google search I did, um, <laughs> is the second most visited tourist attraction in France after the Mont Saint-Michel. Now, you said you're almost 100% sure that that number is also claimed by the Tour de France, uh, by the Eiffel Tower, and also claimed by the Louvre. You know, so... I, the Eiffel Tower, I think I can clarify, is the most visited paid attraction in the world. Okay. Well, I think um, Rocamador might be the most visited like tourist village in France or something. I don't really know yeah. what it is. Or the second most. What, what did I say? Second most. I think so, yeah. Um, it's really beautiful. Like It's a really nice place. Um, yeah, it looks small. I'm sure we'll have lots of time to see it on stage 20 as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's very true. There'll be a lot of shots of it. Um, and then the yeah, next you know stage. What it's like on a time trial day, especially the penultimate stage of the tour when you're only concerned about the last five people going off. Oh, we're going to be sick of Rocamador by the end yeah. of it. <laughs> um, 
stage 20 then we go to the city that holds the most visited paid tourist attraction in the world uh yeah but uh not la defense arena where we'll be starting yeah inside we're starting inside a stadium oh that's crazy it's that, that is a really i've seen quite a few events at this uh arena stadium i don't really know what to call it, it is a sort of bizarre thing setup they've got there isn't it because one one ends like a massive big screen uh and then there's like three stands or something but it's indoors but can seat forty thousand people it's it's yeah i think it's a rugby it's the rugby state it's the rugby stadium for racing 93 or whatever they're called uh one of them yeah um i can't remember who's the other paris stade francais the other paris team but i can't remember which is yeah um and they do a lot of like charity football games there and stuff. I was actually looking at tickets for Bruce Springsteen last night and he's playing he's playing there next uh, next year, but it's sold out, I'm afraid. So if any listeners want to go to that, they can't as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Well, there you go. There's there's the route for this year's Tour de France. I'm excited for it. I heard Primoz Roglic say that he thinks it's a beautiful route. So make of that what you will. I think it is. I'll be honest. I think it's one of the best I've seen for a few years. I think they've got a good mix of... Um, of everything, um, including throwing some cobbles in there and, uh, you know, giving giving Denmark a token three stages that it doesn't really need as well. Okay, well, let's move on. Um, the next segment of this podcast, um, we're going to do a quiz. And it's a very special one. We're going to go head to head, which we've done before, and I can't remember when we did it, but we're going to do it again. Um, I have asked you to prep three questions. Do you have three questions prepared for me? I do. Wonderful. Um, as do I, and I have a fourth one as well. So, you know, if we want to keep going, we can keep going. Um, depends, how, depends how badly I'm getting beaten, really. Um, <laughs> you start first. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is easy or not. Um, I I reckon it might have come up if you've done your research. I mean, it will, it will have come up if you've done your research. Uh, the tour starts in Denmark. Name the only Danish winner of the Tour de France. Uh, Bjarne Rees. Correct. Great start. Um, my first question as well uh, starts with the Grand Depart this year is in Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's nice to say it's good to honour Denmark, I think. Um, which team has selected the most Danish riders to compete this year? Oh. That's a, I, it's a toss-up between two. I'll tell you the two I'm thinking of are DSM or Trek Segafredo. And immediately <clears throat> my head went to Trek Segafredo. So I think that's what I'm going to go for. But it's wrong. And the reason you did that was so you could see the reaction in my face when you said those two teams. No, um, no well, no, because I, I genuinely did think, I thought Trek Segafredo, I mean, I could only think of two Danish riders and I think one's at each team. So basically that's it. <laughs> You're wrong, but I'm going to give you a chance to save the point. Is the it correct, the, No, the correct answer <laughs> is Quick Step Alpha Vinyl, oh. who have got three Danes on their team this year. Can you name them? Um, Morku. That's one. Um, who's the guy who pulls on the front forever? Him. What's his name? <laughs> I can't accept it, sorry. Um, no, I'm Mon- a monument here. winner. Winner of the Tour of Flanders. Uh, Asgreen. Casper Asgreen. And the third one has not really got the Palmares. A trusted um, domestique. Yeah, I'm struggling here. I'm not sure I can leave you much more time, Tom. No. 
Give me the give me. I, I don't need the point. Just give me his initials or something. M H. M H. Um, I'm still struggling to be honest. Mikel Honore. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what a reaction to his name. Well, okay, we move yeah, because it's not a very Danish sounding name, is it? I think that's what the, well, the first name is, but it sounds French. It's very true. Yeah. Um, go on, Tom. Question two. Here we go. I'm, I'm oh, feeling, I'm feeling good. On, I've got to get my questions back here. Uh, okay. Stage eight finishes in Lausanne, in Switzerland, um, which is Switzerland, as we know. Um, everything is headquartered there. So I'd like to know which of these bodies is headquartered in Lausanne. Is it FIFA, the International Olympic Committee, or the UCI? It's the UCI, and we go right past the UCI headquarters at one point, don't we? In in oh no, is that an egg? Oh, I'm double guessing myself. I don't think the UCI is in. No, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go for the IOC because I think the UCI is in Aigle. I can't believe you got away with that one there. Oh, that uh, never that never works, but it's worked. You really worried me there because I was frantically checking where the UCI is headquartered because you said it with such confidence as well. No, I so. think we go past the IOC headquarters on that stage, but I, but I couldn't remember if it was the IOC or the UCI. They sound, I mean, they share two of the same, or two out of three letters. Absolutely all of these places, uh, all of these um, bodies are headquartered somewhere on Lake Geneva. A lot of them in Geneva. FIFA is in uh scion i think which is also in it yeah is somewhere in french-speaking switzerland mm. and yes the ioc is in lausanne okay fair enough well you know i feel good about that one yeah no i'm frustrated that you've managed to get two out of two so far okay right question two for you I, I, you're gonna you actually kind of really need this one um which team announced their tour de france squad squad roster team uh, in a podcast earlier this week. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, uh... Do you want to give you? Do you want to give you some clues? You can. Have uh, three. I'll give. I'll give you a choice of three. Okay. Well. Okay. Go on. Was it Movistar, Israel Startup Nation, or Bora Hansgrohe? I think. It was probably. <laughs> I'm going with Israel. No, it was Bora. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, evidently, I didn't listen to that podcast. Um... But the thing is, nobody did. It's. The, I think it's probably. I mean, you know, as much as we're here to advocate for for podcasts, I'm not sure it's a great medium for announcements. Was it not in German as well? I don't know. There's... I don't know. I think I, I, I've, I've not bothered to listen to it. To click on it. <laughs> I think a lot of people just share. Somebody did some great work and listened to the podcast and then just shared the list on Twitter. And that was enough for me. Okay. Well, I'm down two with potentially only one question left, depending on how generous you're feeling. So, okay. Well, you know, this is it. This is a, a bit of a victory lap for me now. Yeah. So, question three there is one city on this year's route that has uh, hosted the Winter Olympics. I know it. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Alberville. Okay. I was going to give you multiple choice. It's Alberville. It is. Do you know what year? Uh, in the 90s or something, or the 80s, maybe. 84. No, 92. 92. <laughs> um, do you know why I know that? Because I'm actually going to Alberville in about two weeks' time. 
Okay. If if we were doing a Winter Olympic city, I didn't need to do the research on that one because I know all the Olympic host cities. So that one I can do. I've had two Olympics questions in this Tour de France quiz uh, with three questions. So it's gone well. Now, the trick is not to tailor the questions to you, really, Tom. Yeah. This. <laughs> um, okay. Question three, Tom. And it is the return of a question format that I know you are very fond of. Uh, is it who's that? Who am I? It's a who am I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So there's four points. Um, and... that's why I could win here then oh no there's not four points but there's, there's four <laughs> points but you know what we'll do let's make it interesting and for each one like, so you could win a maximum of four points to win the whole thing if you get it right on the first go you could get four points to win the whole thing as we go down through it I'm going to du- deduct a point so if you get it on the second go you get three points if you mm-hmm. get it on the third go you get two points Um, you ready? I'm ready point number one I wasn't initially on the start list for the Tour de France. Tim de Klerk. Well, he was initially on the start list. Oh, no, sorry, Seneschal. Wrong. <laughs> um, point number two. This for three points to draw level. Mm-hmm. I've had to cancel a family trip to Legoland to be able to go. Legoland's in Denmark. Can Wait, I mean, find them? Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's had to cancel it, sadly. Um... Yeah, I mean, I have not read this anywhere, so I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, George Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> the pause, and then the like confidence with which you said George Bennett. Well, it's just pick a rider, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I am a sprinter by trade. Uh, and I was once Mark Cavendish's lead out man. Oh, you know, I think I did see this as well. Is it Bosenhagen? It's Edvard Bosenhagen. <laughs> I actually did see the story. That is so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> You've had a shocker. Oh, well, at least I've got a point on the board. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll give you the other, I'll give you the fourth question anyway, just for the, for the sake of it, because I'm quite enjoying this quiz. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you to guess why I'm enjoying it so much. Um, my fourth question is, Israel Startup Nation have picked eight riders for the Tour de France, as have most of the other teams. Um, what is the average age of their squad? Oh, they're, um, it's old. Right, I'm going to need yeah. a number. <laughs> um, i tell you what, I'm actually looking at their team now. Fulsang, Clark, Froome, Goldstein, Hull, Impey, Nalens, Woods. That is old, old. Uh, average age is 32. 33. Oh. <laughs> and they have got 25-year-old Omar Goldstein to thank for bringing that down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you got a fourth question for me? Ah, it's quite boring though. It was literally there just to, I had a couple of Alpduez questions lined up just in case we needed them. Uh, so it was quite simply, the last time the tour visited Alpduez in 2018, who won? That would be Garant Thomas in the yellow jersey. Would be, after they summited it twice. No, they didn't. They did, they went, they did. They went, it was that stage where they went over it Two times, wasn't it? I was there on that day. Oh, someone's lied to me. When did they go over it twice? Oh, you know, what? I've read it wrong. It was 2013, stage 18, and I've read it as stage 13, 2018. Okay. <laughs> right. If I'd known you were there, I wouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, did you say you had another Updoers one? I'm quite keen for the Updoers questions, actually. Uh, yeah, you know what? This one's a bit uh, questionable. Though. It was again, 
who holds the record for the fastest outdoors ascent. But I want, I want to preface this by saying I went down the list of the fastest times and to get to a rider who is actually clean, you have to go so far down. <laughs> so the fastest time is Marco Pantani, I think. It is, yeah. Um, and it's something like 37 minutes or something. Yeah, um, um, <clears throat> it was. Again, I've got it here. It depends on where you take the start point from in Borg Doisan uh, at the bottom because there's uh, sometimes it's taken at uh, 14 and a half kilometers and other times it's 13.8 which is worth about a minute um, but it's Pantani both times anyway okay <laughs> but if you go down I've got the, the top 10 here of the because um, I think they started taking the times from 13.8 uh, Um and who's the no, one they didn't, you, you judged to be the first one to be a clean rider? Well, I'll read you the top 10 uh, overall on the old time, on the 14.45 uh, distance. And well, it I goes, know old, old Voldemort's in here a few times, isn't it? Yeah, he? it reads Pantani, Armstrong, Pantani, Armstrong, Pantani, Ulrich, Landis, Cloden, Ulrich, Virenk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, There's not very much in, in the last 10 years there. Uh, otherwise, Pantani, 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 Armstrong, Ulrich, Armstrong, Induran. Okay, Miguel Induran is seventh on my second list here. Who? Okay. He's legitimate. Right. Um, should we talk about GC contenders, Tom? Let's do it. Now, what is interesting about the GC contenders of this year's Tour de France, I think in this age of Tours de France, is that a lot of them, and all of them, the main ones, take very different routes to the Tour. You know, gone are the days of like, Paris-Nice, Dauphiné, Tour. Now you've got Pogacar who rides UAE, Tirreno, Slovenia. You've got Roglic who rides, you know, the more traditional routes. And then Geraint Thomas who does a kind of mix-up of the two. He rides, you know, he rode Tour de Suisse. So I mean, you've got Roglic, Roglic who won the Dauphiné. Pogacar just won Slovenia. Geraint Thomas has just won Tour de Suisse. Um, I'm, I'm putting Geraint Thomas in there because I think he will be in the top four or five, maybe. Yeah, just need to stay upright. Yeah, uh, which he's not that great at doing. So let's <laughs> hope so he's been practicing that. But I think what, what we've had in this run-up is we haven't really, if at all, seen them lock horns yet. And I think it was the same last year. We don't get to see Roglic and Pogacar go at each other until July. Which is good. I think it's probably intentional that way, a lot of it, that you know they don't want to give too much weight to their competitors and you know keep some things hidden. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sadly for Roglic, one of his competitors is on his team, Jonas Vinjagor. Yeah, still don't know how to pronounce that. I think that I think we've done enough to yeah. let people know who we're talking about. Um, where do you put his chances? I don't know. They're they're probably going in as co-leaders, aren't they? And I, I guess Vinjagor waits for Roglic to come off his bike on the cobbles, which, let's be honest, is inevitable. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I think. This is the thing about Jumbo Visma is that they they do have the strongest team, hands down, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Ineos' team is quite good as well, but Jumbo Visma have got the strongest team. But that's all kind of irrelevant when you're up against Tadej Pogacar, as much of a cliche that is to say, because there are two things that Tadej Pogacar does well. Um, one of them is finishing bike races, like actually getting <laughs> to the line of bike races. And the second one is finishing them before anybody else. Um, which he's done three times and the three stage races I just mentioned, he's won all three of them this season and quite comfortably. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want my prediction now, he wins. That oh, it's quite push, simple. Pushing just... the boat out, are you? No, it's it's boring. I know, but but he's just he's so strong. He's I just think he's a class above the rest and will be for years to come. Yeah, I think unless so. someone has, unless someone else appears who's even younger. And I really hope, and I think even the like Pogaccia fans will be hoping that this year Roglic can really take it down to the line. And I really hope he does. And I would, I would personally love Roglic to win it because I think he really needs that on his Palmares to kind of go down in the history books of cycling, which is a terrible thing to say because he's won, you know, X many Vuelta. How many Vuelters has he won? Three, two, two Vuelters or three, something like leave, that. Leave it at X many. Uh, X many. But I think for people to really know who you are 20 years down the line, he's going to need a Tour de France. Certainly outside of, you know, the, the diehard cycling fans. If Yeah. Uh, speaking from a British perspective, it's, um, you know, cycling doesn't really carry that much weight in this country until someone British wins the Tour de France. That is the only time. You look at Cav last year, his story, winning the points jersey, and, you know, it isn't even nominated for Sports Personality of the Year or anything like that. So um, I don't know what it's like in Slovenia, but, uh, yeah, for you're right. To really go down and be remembered, you need the Tour de France win on there. I think so. Um, there's a few others that I wanted to put in the ring here. Um, ben O'Connor, fourth last year, so we kind of need to include him here. And a lot of people are really thinking he's going to do well this year. He was fourth last year, but let's bear in mind, he was still 10 minutes down on Pogaccia in fourth place. Um, and the other one is Danny Felipe Martinez, who won the Tour of the Basque Country earlier this year, but then was playing a supporting role for Geraint Thomas at the Tour de Suisse, which I think was a bit surprising to a lot of people. Um, and what was even more surprising was how strong and how much of a resounding victory Geraint Thomas took at that race. You say, um, Danny, I mean, I'm looking at Adam Yates in that lineup as well. There's three contenders in there, surely, who could, uh, you know, Ineos have got plenty of options to throw at this. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, the inclusion of Pidcock as well is an interesting one because I don't really know what his role is going to be. No, unless he's... Um... You know, just following that Wout Van Aert trajectory and can just sit on the front and carry the race anywhere. Yeah, maybe. And then have a go on the cobbles. Yeah. That's probably it. Um, the sprint jersey, Tom. I think we have quite a good competition this year. Yeah. Um, we've talked about Jakobsen, haven't we? But there's, um, I mean, there's the usual sprint. You're looking at Caleb Ewan, but I was going to mention that with Jakobsen coming back, uh, Dylan Gronovagen's back at the tour as well. So both the, uh, you know, um, what's the word for them? Uh protagonists of that story uh are here this year have they raced each other since i, I don't doubt they have i, I mean I've, i i haven't followed either of them closely enough to know but I, neither of them since that have done loads of racing to be honest have they no grunewagen so i mean grunewagen got banned for like a year mm. um and obviously I, I hope people don't make a massive narrative around that and maybe us having this conversation is making a narrative around that but um i hadn't even considered that that's interesting um, we've also got Jasper Philipson. Um, so I, I think probably the three quickest sprinters in the world right now are Jakobsen, Philipson, Ewan, and then also on the women's side, Lorena Weavers. She could probably beat all of them. <laughs> um, we've got Wout van Aert too, if he's up for it. So I think we've got, you know, we don't have Arna Demar, we don't have Mark Cavendish. Oh, you know, I go we've back got, to We've got Peter Sagan as well. We have, um, with his um, usual... He's taken all his guys over to Total Energy, hasn't he? And just brought the same team to the tour that he's brought all the time. Yeah, let's see if he can wind up the motor. Uh, what were you going to say about Grenovagen? 
I think he's quick. He's won. A, he's won a few times this year, and you know, if he's anywhere near his past form, he can obviously compete with uh, the the three guys you just mentioned as well. I think so. I mean, it depends as well. I mean, it's not just all about speed, is it? And I think we know this in a sprint. I mean, when we've got difficult finishes, someone a bit technical, then you want to be on Michael Moku's wheel. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Dilligradovic can get himself in there. I was going to say well, bump Jakobsen off, but that's probably not a very yeah. good thing to say. <laughs> Jakobsen would be quite upset if he did. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think he's going to go near Jakobsen. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Um, just to finish, Tom, I was wondering if you had any... Well, I was going to ask you who was going to win, but you've already said that. Uh, if you've got any kind of bold predictions for us. You know what? No, not really. Not other than, obviously, I just want to talk about Brian Kokar a bit, and I hope he does something. So um, I'd like to see him getting a break on uh, the second or third stage and... Uh, I don't know, going to the uh, polka dot jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Brian why not? Card in the polka dot jersey. I have, you, as you know, we're in a. He got um... rolled by Peter Sagan. <laughs> he got rolled by Peter Sagan in a sprint the other day. So I'm not, I mean, maybe he should be targeting the polka this dot. This is what I'm talking about. He's transitioning into, he's, he's made for the cobbles as well. Um, we have um, a fant- fantasy Tour de France teams, uh, which I'm sure we'll bring up uh, when we do our rest day recap. Um, probably the second rest day see how that's going and uh oh, I, my, mine is so built for this first week i'm i'm taking a very early lead here on the back of all those points brian cockard's bringing me okay well i've actually decided tom that i'm not going to disclose anything about who's in my team um certainly not until after the time trial when you can see my team um <laughs> so we'll see from that and I, I also don't know how or when or if we'll do race day recaps for this race because as i said i'm off to the tour next weekend and that does make it difficult to lap up the atmosphere in the alps so maybe tom the next time we speak here might be to discuss how the race was won depends how good the wi-fi is out there i mean it's france so there should be some (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) um either way i'm sure we will be all over the socials between now and then Um, tom where can people find us they can find us as always at T-T-P-D-C-S-T T-T Podcast no vowels on Twitter and Insta wonderful well I am very excited for the Grand Depart this Friday Friday this Friday. Friday. Friday this Friday the Grand Depart Copenhagen um, more excited of course to go to the tour and I will be on Alpe d'Huez when Thibaut Pino wins and I will be suitably crying my eyes out as well um so, you know, we've got that to look forward to. Yeah, this is the last time I um, ask you any Alpdues questions because I've realised you go there every time it's on the route. So uh, enjoy and uh, we'll see everyone uh, whenever we're back. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, Tom, a pleasure as always to chat with you. And we'll speak very soon. Take care. Take care.